Dowdy on the High Motor Podcast. Thanks for dropping by. I'm going to have some fun today on the show. And actually, we haven't done a giveaway in a while, so we're going to do one today. We're going to keep it simple again like before. Leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts. Screenshot that review. Tweet it to the show at High Motor Pod or to me at a Dowdy 88 Apple Podcast review. Screenshot that review to at High Motor Pod or at a Dowdy 88 I will grab one. I will grab a winner. I will send you some free stuff. Mike Minter on this week's show. Nebraska, Carolina Panthers now entering year eight as head coach at Campbell. Mike, thanks for dropping by the show this week. How are things for you in North Carolina? Everything is great, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. So you just wrapped up that that National Signing Day, the recruiting calendar, a little bit different than, than it was when you were coming out a lot in high school back in the 90s. You know, what sticks out as the most different in recruiting now versus recruiting 25, 30 years ago for you? Well, I think it's uh, technology. Technology has, uh, you know, sped up everything, I believe, for coaches. They're able to, um, instead of getting um, mailed in the mail, probably in the UPS-type um, format, where you had it on um, VHSs, <laughs> where you had to put a highlight film together and send it out to the college's um, now, you, all, you know, they just plug online and, and they're able to see, you know, guys really, really quick. So I think technology helps um, coaches in that in that aspect of the, of the game. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you got recruiting services that rank um, that help, um, you know, us college coaches not have to go travel around everywhere to find this information. Um, you can get that online, too, through the recruiting um, services. So I, I think uh, that helps. But it also, um, you know, over-inflates some of this talent that's out there, too, right? So um, in certain areas, I think guys get over-recruited because of this situation. And and, and um, I think a lot of the mid-majors, their, their whole format is let's get a lot of different people offered and then now you got a lot of kids that got a lot of different offers, and um, and so that's kind of how they holding people, um, you know, on the on the hook as far as FCS players is concerned. And, and um, so I think that the national media has made it a, a big deal. You know, when I was coming out of Lawton, Oklahoma, um, you know, it really was a big deal in the in the city that you're from. But other than that. It really wasn't as big as it is today. So the pressure that these young people are, are up against uh, today, man, is a whole lot different than when I came out. So your your recruitment specifically, I mean, what do you recall from that? I mean, obviously you were going to Nebraska, but there wasn't like a star system back then. Like you said, there wasn't the Internet. Like what, what star rating would you have been? Were, were you a big enough prospect where you didn't really have to promote yourself? Everybody kind of knew about you. How did that go for you? Well, let me say this. Since the third grade, so I was in the third grade when, and I'm from Oklahoma, so um, leaving Oklahoma and going to Nebraska, uh, for for your listeners, of course, back in the day, just didn't happen. I was the third person to leave the state of Oklahoma to go play for the University of Nebraska at the time. And um, and so it was a, in the third grade, is, Andrew, is really when I wanted to go to Nebraska. So I was watching TV, I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, you know what? I want to go to that school. I fell in love with him at that point. And um, so my recruiting was very easy because I committed to him in the third grade. 
Um, and I committed to Nebraska without even going to it. I didn't even know what Nebraska was. I just know I wanted to play for Coach Osborne. And uh, and so I committed before I even visited. And I, vis- I visited probably about two weeks after I committed. And I got off the plane, and it was like nine degrees. And I hate cold weather. And I'm like, oh, 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 I didn't know about this. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I stayed with it. But, of course, Oklahoma, you know, all the big eight schools during that time was on me, all the Southwest um, schools, the Texas, the, you know, the Baylors of the world, those type um, teams was, was on me. And so I think it was really regional-based how you got recruited when I was coming out of um, high school than it is now. Now it's a national deal because of the Internet. You can get to a kid in different parts of the world um, if you basically located, let's say, in um, Oklahoma. Now you can go get a kid from California all the way over to Florida, all the way up to New Jersey. And um, it's just like recruiting a kid in your backyard. So everything was regional. And um, so if I was a kid that was coming out right now, I would probably be a four-star. You know, I had Eddie George on the show maybe, I don't know, a month or two ago, and we were kind of talking about that technology aspect of it, the big one, the transfer portal. Now I think we're in entering year three of that. And, I mean, he was talking about how he knew that Ohio State was the right place for him, but he didn't play that much his first couple of years. And he kind of admitted that, yeah, maybe if the transfer portal was around back then, making it a lot easier for kids to get their name out there, maybe he would have considered transferring. How did those first couple of years years go for you? If that was available to you, would you have ever considered leaving? Or once you got to Nebraska, you knew that was the place for you throughout your career? No, I knew it was. Um, again, like I said, I was in love with Nebraska since the third grade. So when I got to Nebraska, it was, okay, how fast is it going to take me to get on the football field and start? And so I didn't have to wait. You know, my freshman year, I was I was playing and I was starting. So I was kind of rotating in and out uh, my freshman year when we played um, Florida State in the national championship game. Um, you know, I was already in the mix. So, you know, the trans, you know, the transfer portal probably wouldn't affected me. You know, because I was already on the field and I was already contributing. Um, so you take a Eddie George who had to probably wait a couple years before he got his chance. Um, yeah, he probably would have jumped in there. Um, but in my case, um, I, I, I did not do that. And so in 92, when we all came in, Tommy Frazier was the quarterback that, that came in. I mean, that recruiting class, you want to talk about a recruiting class without technology was um, unbelievable. That 92 class was really special and i think they did like an all-time ranking of all the recruiting classes of all time and we was ranked number two in that class i mean but when you think about it that class was able to win 47 games and only lose three and play in three national championships winning of course two of them back to back um and and really after that class the 93 class and then the 94 class who was able to go win a championship in 97. But when you look at that group of people that came in that that, that time frame, uh, really changed the outlook of what the 90s looked like with Nebraska winning three national championships in the 90s. And you mentioned Tommy Frazier among all of those real legends, uh, like you kind of alluded to at Nebraska in the 90s, and then one of your former teammates, Scott Frost, going back to Lincoln a couple of years ago. You know, What do you think of him so far in his first few years back there? Do you like how he's kind of rebuilding that program? Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, because 
what he's doing is he's bringing back the culture of what made the 90s special. And that was accountability, you know, and ownership. Players taking ownership of the program, taking ownership of the standard of the program, and that's what he's bringing back. And when you hear him speak and talk about the program, that's what you hear. Okay, so standard here, we got to get back to that standard, and then we got to hold people accountable. But it has to come from the players. It can't come from the coaches uh, because, you know, coach-led teams can only just be good. Player-led teams would be great. And that's where he's trying to get them to to understand. Now, that's very different, um, you know, now than it is back in the 90s because of the different mentalities that kids are coming in with. Um, you know, now today you got to show a kid why. Back in the 90s, Coach Osborne just had to tell us, this is what we're going to do, and we like, okay, let's go do it, <laughs> right? Now you got to tell a kid why because they already know what is going on with the Internet. They can go get that information from anywhere and anybody, and so now the kids got to make connections. You, as a coach, you got to connect a kid to, you know, why he's doing what he's doing, how that's going to uh, um, impact him throughout the season, how is that going to impact him if he's trying to go to the next level and play football, so all these connectors is really what you're trying to do now, um, opposed to what they were doing back in the 90s. It was just like, look, plug and play. This is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to get it done. Now let's hold everybody accountable to that standard. And then looking back at that, that 1997 NFL draft 23 years ago, uh, coming up here in a couple of months, on draft day, were you expecting to go late second? And then how'd those first few hours, how'd those first few days go after you were picked? Walk us through that, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, listen, um, I was projected to go anywhere from the late first round to the second round. So I knew I was going somewhere in there. So once the late round of the first round started is when you start getting nervous, okay, because this is where you projected to go, and we all know projections don't always end up in reality, <laughs> and so you're sitting there, and you're just nervous, and and I, I didn't move. Of course, family is all around. Everybody is there. Everybody's watching the TV screen, and, and um, so as, as the round one got done and round two started happening, I, I kind of had some ideas of what teams would pick me. Um, and, and so as those teams started coming up in the second round and they did not choose me, um, then all of a sudden um, the Carolina, the phone rang, okay? And it was the Carolina Panthers. And they was like, look, Mike, congratulations. We're going to pick you with the next pick. Um, you're going to be a Carolina Panther. So now the house erupts. And everybody goes crazy, but they haven't announced it on ESPN yet. And so um, now they're starting to announce the 56 pick um, and the Carolina Panthers pick me. Now, I don't get to hear anything that they're saying about me, which is really what I wanted to hear um, because everybody was going crazy. And I'm on the phone talking to you know, the owner, the president, the GM, and the head coach and, and the defensive coordinator, and so you're on the phone having this conversation. So in 97, when they made the pick, I never got to hear exactly what Chris Berman was saying about me uh, with the pick. So the next morning, you get up, you hop on the plane, and you head over to, um, you know, to Carolina, and, um, which was really, really exciting that now you're in the National Football League. Okay, so now what does that look like? 
what 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 do I need to bring to the table to make that happen? So when you get here, it's just all about media stuff, and um, of course, it's not like it is today. I mean, they they blow it way out of, um, out out of proportion today. It, it was just a couple of interviews here and there, and kind of introducing us, and then we had our mini camp, and um, and so you know with with how it is today, they don't even have those mini camps. Only way you do that is you got a new coach, and so they cut that one out. And um, so we had the mini camp, got to do the football uh, thing, and and I just remember getting off the plane, and we when we was headed over to, to the practice facility or should say to the stadium, um, man, I just remember all the trees that I saw. I was just like so amazed by all the trees that was in North Carolina, and I remember remember. Um, getting on the phone and, and uh, you know, talking to family members of, you know what, you would not believe how many trees these people got here. <laughs> and um, so that's that's the number one thing I remember so much about uh, coming here to, to Carolina to uh, get ready to play some football in the National Football League. Did you have any sort of, of welcome to the NFL moment, you know, on the field or off the field where, where... – I don't want to say that you were put in your place, but was there ever a moment where you're kind of like, damn, like I'm in the NFL right here? I, I, I would say I had that moment, but it wasn't the moment that most people would have to say, welcome to the NFL. Um, I wanted to welcome the NFL to me. And so I remember we got in our, our we were full pads for the first time. And uh, Rocket Ishmael was like, our number one receiver at the time. We, I think we had just signed him, and, you know, he was the big uh, free agent pickup that year in 97. And um, and I remember him coming across the middle, and and I drove, and, and, and I knocked him, you know, I, I I hurt his hip, okay? And I put our, our number one guy out for about three weeks. <laughs> I, that, that's, um, that was the first time that, that I said um, – you know, look, I, I go full speed in practice, and 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 it's full go. And uh, you know, that that was the first time that I said, "All right, man, that's our number one guy." And um, if I can hear him like that, then the rest of the NFL is in trouble. And so that was that was my moment to to, to say that I'm I'm here and I'm here to stay. How was it received? Did you did you get a, a sit down from some of the vets and say, well, you know, we don't do that, or was I mean, the game is so different. I mean, twenty three years ago, there wasn't as much emphasis on your body. Is did you have a sit down with the vets, or everyone was just cool with it? No, everybody was like, okay, I, I, we like that, okay, because again, to your point, Andrew, the league was different. It was about punishing people coming across the middle. Okay, it was about making receivers think twice about catching that football when when they come there. So that was the style of play, and that was the style of the safety play at that time too. And um, so you know, to to make your mark right there, it let them know that you didn't come here to sit down and watch other people. You came here to make your mark, and and you could be an enforcer on this defense for this football team. And so all of them. You know, was just kind of looking at me like, okay, let, let's see if you, you can do that again. And I remember our first scrimmage, um, I had two blow-up um, hits in our first scrimmage. And, and, and at that moment, um, I think they welcomed me in to, to the family. And, uh, you know, game six, 
I was starting and, and, and I never looked back after that. So at that time, I mean, were you even thinking about head injuries? Was anybody talking about it, the long-term effects of football? I mean, what, what was talked about in your circles back then? Did you have any concern about that? No, nobody was talking about concussions or anything or anything that can linger on from that. Um, none of that. And I played the game that way. I played the game very physical from the time that I started playing the game in the Little League all the way through my 10-year career in the National Football League. So, um, you know, that that's something that I always did, and, and nobody is talking about that. I mean, this, this really just came about in the last, what, you know, seven to 10 years. Um, and, you know, by then I'm retired and I'm moved on in, into coaching. So um, no, nobody was sitting around. So if anything, what we sat around and talked about is how we punish people um, and, you know, on the offensive side of the football is that, you know, the game is a physical football game and we got to have guys that and um, guys that really make that impact um, on defense, at least um, from from hitting people. And, and so, you know, everybody talked about neck injuries. I think that's always been the biggest thing when I was coming through school is making sure that your head is up, you know, and, and when you driving through people that your head not down so you don't get a neck injury. I think that's probably the biggest thing that you talked about when you talked about the head neck area. Um, you was more talking about neck injuries than concussions. Do you ever sit now and with that increased emphasis, like you said, over the last seven or ten years when you've been out of football, do you ever sit back and think of, you know, maybe when I, like in the NFC Championship game, I think you hit James Thrash and it was interception off of that. Yeah. Do you ever think back and say, damn, you know what, maybe I did have a concussion on that play. Do you have any idea of how many concussions you had in, in your career now that you look back on it? No, I mean, when you talk about concussions the way that we do it today, uh, man, I probably had you know, 30 concussions in that mild concussion area, okay? Um, and so I do know that I had two, um, let's say two concussions that was serious concussions. And and, um, and so I do remember those. But again, it was like I'm, I, make, I make the hit and, um, you know, I feel it and, and the world is spinning you know, but but I've always been the type of guy that I can say, okay, let's get get back focused, let's get back up, and let's get back into the ball game. So I never came out. So it's probably about two or three games I played with a full time concussion that we would call that today, and you would have to go through the concussion protocol. Um, I, I probably won in college. Uh, we was playing Colorado. And um, the running back broke the line of scrimmage, and I hit him, and I hit him head head first. And and I remember um, getting that concussion where I was about to fall down after I got up. I was about to fall down, and I remember walking to the sideline and saying to myself, "You are not about to fall down on this ground." And I walked to the sideline, and I shook it off, and then I came right back into the game. So I missed one play uh, for that one. And um, and then when we was playing um, in the National Football League preseason game, we was playing Cleveland, and a, um, a guy ran across the middle. And man, I'm talking about I came probably from the the numbers all the way to the middle of the field, and I hit this guy and knocked the ball out. And um, at that time, I had one, and I remember saying to myself, "Okay, gather yourself, 
get up. And I didn't go out on this one. <laughs> so I stayed in the game and played the rest of the of the football game. And so, um, you know, when you talk about concussions, I done had them. I done had a mild ones, and I done had some serious ones. Uh, but, but also I can say to everybody that at the end of the day, my ability to focus, my ability to uh, critically think through things and, and all that stuff, um, it's, you know, my mind and my brain is, is intact, and so I thank God for that. So then you retire uh, 2007 off season. You know what was what was the plan? I know that there were some reports that you were thinking about running for office. And then a couple of years after that, what were you thinking about at the time? Were you thinking about running for office, coaching? I mean, what was going through your head after spending the last I don't know 20 25 years playing football? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you this: it wasn't coaching. Um, that was the last thing that was um, in my mind as I was getting ready to retire and move on. Uh, I, I went into the business world. So I, I had my own business, and, and it was real estate to consult, business consulting to, um, you know, we have some child care development centers. And so we had all these things that I built, and I called it Mike Miller Enterprises. And, um, you know, I probably built it up to about 250 employees. Um, you know, we was at the height of what we was doing. Uh, we was doing a lot of um, revenue. And um, and I built it from from scratch, from zero, and and so I did that for about I started it about three years left into my uh, uh, my career in, in the National Football League, and then I, I went on um, until I started coaching. So I, I was really into that. And how did I get into coaching? Well, let, let's talk about the uh, when I got approached. Um, so I wasn't into politics. I got approached. Um, to come into politics, and um, they wanted me to run for congressman, um, and it was really the biggest um, section of of North Carolina, and it was the, the the biggest seat in North Carolina, the most important seat. And I and you know of course I'm a Republican, um, and so you know African American that's a Republican that's that's a you know ex athlete. I think that was appealing to people, and um, so they flew me to Washington. And for the for three days, they wine and dine me to to get into politics, and uh, and so it was tough. <laughs> it was real tough to to leave that weekend um, and get on that uh, um, plane and go back home and think about it and say no to it um, because they was real. They was re- they they recruited really really good. I wish they was my recruiters on my football team because we'll probably get. Every football player to come play for me at Campbell, um, they did a great job. And I remember the last person that I spoke to was um, John Boehner at the time. He was a speaker of the House and the head of the Republican Party at the time. And, and I remember sitting in his office and we was talking about, you know, what it would look like and, and what to expect and all that type stuff. And, and, um, and I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, I'm sitting in the freaking John Boehner's office talking about running for congressman. <laughs> and um, so I, I, I said no to it. I, I just didn't think that it would be good for, for me at the time. And um, and so one of my friends who our kids grew up together, he was an athletic director at a private school in Charlotte and um, high school, and he asked me to come and, and help build his program. And so I was really coming in as a consultant because, again, I was building my business and I was doing a lot of that. 
Um, really didn't have a lot of time. And uh, he asked me to do that probably in May. And then our coach, he resigned and, and right after school in June. And so we didn't have a coach. And he was like, well, why won't you take it? And I was like, okay, I'll take it. I don't know anything, Andrew, about high school football. Okay, so I'm sitting here like, oh, I don't know nothing about spread. And, and now these, these guys running spread um, offenses. And so I got to go learn all this. And, and so for a month, I read every book that you could imagine on spread offense, okay? And, um, and so I took the job, and in July, I started to learn all that I could learn, and then we went to three state championships. And, uh, and so we won two out of three. And at that time, I found, I, I was like, I got to be a coach. This is, this is my calling. And, but I want to do it at a higher level. Let me do it at college. So I gave myself five years to become a head coach at a Division I um, school. And, um, of course, I did it in two. Um, I went to Johnson C. Smith's first year. Second year, I was at Liberty with Turner Gill. And then um, the third year, I became a head coach at Campbell University. And when I took the job, I remember saying when I said I wanted to do it in five years, I also said, I wanted to take over the worst team in Division One football. And, and so when Campbell called, I didn't know anything about Campbell. And, um, you know, guess what? They were dead last in Division One football. So so I got my wish of uh, being a head coach in, in less than five and then also got my wish of taking over a program that was dead last in Division One football. Was there ever a moment when you, even though you said you wanted it, was there ever a moment – when you got to Campbell where you say you didn't know anything about where you were like, God, be careful what I wish for. Is this really the, the hole that I want to be in right now? Hey, listen, I think we all do that, right? We, we all wish we had something until we get it. And we like at some moment during that time, you like, wow, what, what, what was I thinking? And, and I think it was that first year because I've never lost. Okay, so as a player, I've always won championships from little league to, to middle school to high school to, to college. You know, went to the Super Bowl um, when I played at the Carolina Panthers. Then I became a coach and went to three state championships. So I'm thinking, man, this is just what it is. And so now I get to Campbell, and that first year uh, we win three games. It was like we was, I think it was like three and three and nine or three and eight or something like that. And and, man, that was very tough because we went through a stretch that we lost, like, seven games in a row. And, and I've never done that before, you know, as a, as a, as a coach. And, and, and so it, that, was, that was very difficult. And at that time, during that seven-game losing streak, I was sitting there saying, what, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> and, um, and then we won the next week. We beat Stetson, I think, in overtime. And, and then it kind of got me going again to – to get me through, and um, but it's been a blast, man. I, I tell you, to be able to build a program that was a non-scholarship program when I got there to now a scholarship program, and we, you know, this year you go from dead last in Division One football to this year um, at the peak of what we was doing this year, we was ranked number twenty-six in some polls. I mean, that's that's really that's really um, rewarding, and the reason why you do what you do. So you wanted the worst job in Division One back seven, eight years ago. Now, 
Now, I mean, what do you what do you want now? What does what does Mike Minter want now that you have turned around the program? You've gotten the scholarships. You're in the Big South Big South ball. I mean, what are what are you ultimately chasing now? Yeah. Well, listen. Ultimately, I'm chasing championships. I mean, that's that's why I do what I do. Is I want to build programs to win championships. And so, um, until we do that at Campbell, I'm not going to be satisfied. And um, that's the number one thing that I want to do first. And then after that, you know, before my man Scott, because that's my brother, before he got the job in Nebraska, my goal was to go back to Nebraska and help Nebraska uh, become a powerhouse again. And, um, and so, you know, that was, that was my goal, um, you know, going into, you know, previous years. Now it's, it's you know, the next stop, wherever that is, it's, it's to be able to take a program again and to win championships. I, I, I love taking over programs, giving them a culture of winning, and then taking them to, to win championships because everybody else said you couldn't do it. And so at Campbell, and when I came there, I told them, we're going to win championships, we're going to send guys to the National Football League. And we've done the National Football League route. We just send players there. Now it's about us winning a championship so we can then complete what we um, came to do at Campbell, and then I want to do it again. I want to do it at a higher level, and and so if that's a Power Five school um, that you know you take this program and you build it around, you get the community involved. Same thing I did at Campbell, and and now if you look at Campbell, you look at um, us as being like rated the top ten place that you want to come and see a football game at, where you know norm you know before I got there. Did nobody come to the games? And, and, and that's the type of stuff that I love doing. I love bringing community together with a, with a football program, with the university, and with the football players, and then showing them how you impact a whole city and a whole area and the whole state. And because I, I've seen it. I've seen it in Nebraska. I've been able to see it at the Carolina Panthers when we went to the Super Bowl. It's amazing when your team is winning. Hey, Mike, last question for you. I mean, you say that you're chasing championships, and when you look at the FCS level dominated by North Dakota State for, for much of the last decade, really almost the entire decade, what do you what do you think is, is the, the gap there? I don't know if there's any way to, to quantify it somehow, but when you look at what North Dakota State is doing and you say you want to win championships, I, I don't know if I want to say how do you get there, but, but how can you explain the, the gap between what you're doing at Campbell and what North Dakota State has been doing for a decade? Well, I think it's what you just said. It's the history and that formula that these guys have been using. Because they have done it with three different head coaches. <laughs> you see, so it's not like it was like one head coach that came and built it, even though um, I know Craig Bowl because he was – he was our linebacker coach at Nebraska, and and so you know you have Klein that comes through, and you got you got you got a lot of people who who went there, three head coaches, and these guys still win the championship. So it's a program thing with them and and what they building and what they've already built over there. And um, so I think the difference is is that these guys did it at the D two level too. So it wasn't like they just popped up to the FCS level and became good. They was winning championships at the D2 level, came up to the FCS level, um, just kind of continued to build that around what they were doing, and, and now they're doing it. Now, what's the difference? The difference is, is that these guys got a factory 
Okay, a, a guy leaves, got another dude that's in the factory getting prepared, ready to go, and, and plugging in, and, and that's the difference what I see in them and JMU, you know, because I think JMU really had a chance to win that football game if they go in the red zone. And so I think those programs are getting the drop down from the FBS level um, schools that are really good football players that need to drop down and really dominate this level. And, and again, at North Dakota State, they got that quarterback. Every year they got a quarterback. And, and I think that's the most important piece to college football, where really to any football team, is the quarterback position. I've been at Campbell for seven years, and I've never had, this will be the first year that I've had the starting quarterback that I had the previous season. Okay, that started the season. And so for seven years, I had a different quarterback. <laughs> and, and if you can do that and have, you know, basically four winning seasons, consecutive winning seasons back to back to back uh, with, with um, not the same quarterback, I think if you get the same quarterback and you get that going, then it gives you a chance to now compete at that highest level to be able to go play at North Dakota State or JMU or a Kennesaw State that's in our conference and, and um, compete and try to win. Hey, Mike, really enjoyed chatting. I hope that everything goes smoothly for you with uh, spring ball and throughout the offseason. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Andrew. Oh, oh, oh.